Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is the Texecutioner himself, James Vick. James, welcome back to the show, and congrats on the big victory, man. What's up, man? Glad to be back, and uh, thank you. Absolutely, man. So, you know, you had a bit of a layoff, but you went in there against the tough Brazil champion, and, I mean, you did what James Vick does. You popped his head back with that one-two. Firstly, I mean, how good did it feel to get back in there? Because I saw all fight week, you had a big smile on your face, and you were just happy to be there, man. So, I mean, talk about that a little bit. Oh, it felt great. I, I feel more alive than ever when I, when I fight. It's, it's literally my dream job. I mean, if I, like, like I said before, if I hit the lottery today, I would still use all that money just to make myself a better fighter. Like, I'm living my dream, and I just feel so alive. Like, I have nothing that compares to, to fighting, you know, the, the fight week and, it's always, you know, the miserable weight cut, but when you're in there in the back locker room warming up, I'm, I'm amped up, I'm going crazy, I'm just loving life, I love walking out, I love getting in that cage, love staring at my guy in the eye, getting ready to throw down, it's just, I feel so alive, it's the greatest fun in the world. Dude, and you've told me on past episodes of the show that you know within the first couple minutes of the fight if this guy's going to break or not. What did you think uh, when you stared down Glaco? Um, uh, he was a little hard to read, you know, I mean, sometimes, uh, it's a little bit different sometimes with, with like foreign guys from foreign countries because, you know, their gestures are a little different. Their, um, then I guess, you know, their, their demeanor sometimes is different than, than, you know, the way they carry themselves is different than the Americans or vice, you know, vice versa. Um, but I could, you know, I could tell that he, I could tell once I got up, kind of like the same thing with Jake Matthews, that once I got to my feet when, they, when he tried so hard to take me down, these guys, they, it, it kind of saps a little bit of life out of them, you know, knowing they tried so, they worked so hard for the tank down, they worked so hard to keep me down, and I just get up, you know, so easily. I, I could tell there, and I could just tell from the standing, once I started teeing off on him, he re- I realized that he was just really, he was just too slow to, to stand up with me, and um, uh, he wasn't going to be able to deal with my movements, and, you know, he, he was just, you know, trying to fight like a slow, flat-footed tie fighter, you know, kickboxers, and, and I just, I think, I mean, I didn't sense that he was going to break, but I sensed that he, he, he knew he was out, outclassed and out, overmatched for sure. Did you, I mean, were you at all surprised that he didn't go down? Um, no, because um, I really didn't set my feet on a lot of shots. You know, I, I kept moving so much. And a lot of the shots, too, it was my fault because I wasn't really accurate. Like, I was accurate, per se, you know, hitting, hitting, hitting him in the head a lot. But I was landing a lot of shot, head shots. But I was hitting him in the head, you know, I was hitting him in the side of the head, I was hitting him in the forehead a lot. Like, a lot of the shots, had I dropped, you know, several of them down in the chin, I think I would have put him down. But it's just, you know, my, my, my accuracy was a little off. I kept hitting him in the forehead and, you know, the side of the head, you know, the side of the head, by, by the ear, you know, those, I mean, those are still good shots. But, I, you know, it was hurting my hands a little bit, you know, my hands were, were swelled up a little bit after the fight, still are a little bit. And nothing bad or anything, but, um, just, um, you know, when you land 120-something strikes on a guy's head, that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so when you threw that big flying knee, and I mean, we saw the look on his face, was it just a matter of him having an incredible chin, or was it the placement of the knee that was the reason he didn't go down? Yeah, that one, I am surprised he stood up to that one. Now, I will say that. Um, I didn't, um, uh, you know what, my coach was telling me something, I was like, why do these guys keep not going down from this knee? Like, I'm hitting, I'm hitting this thing, I'm, I'm just missing my inch or something like that. You know, I'm one inch away from getting three fifty thousand dollars bonuses because I already landed in three three different fights, solid, right? But he's kind of, he gave kind of gave me a reason. My coach Jamal did, and it makes sense. He said, 
he's like, well, here's the thing. A lot of these guys, when they get knocked out, they're, they're ducking into these shots when they're getting caught. But me, I, I'm not really, they're not really ducking into mine. I'm just catching air and going to them. Instead of them meeting me with an me time like that, I'm just, I'm just have a good, you know, I, I'm calling, I can jump high for, you know, for pretty, you know, I can jump pretty. I used to be a basketball player. And I have, a, I have a good, you know, I have a good lift, and I, and I jump, and I catch them in the air, and they're not, they're not like shooting in, you know, like when I caught Darren Crookshank in the Ultimate Fighter, he was shooting in. That's why it was so devastating with me. But a lot of my these jumping knees on landing, and they're flying switch knees. I'm not, uh, I'm, 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 I'm kind of just hitting them while they're still up in posture. They're not meeting me halfway a lot of the time, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hitting them at the end of my knee instead of, like, you know, like, you know, not, not, not quite the impact that I could get had they lowered their level and came down for a takedown or something as I was doing it. Yeah, exactly. Just like you said, man, I mean, the Darren Crookshank knockout was, you know, it was almost like a defensive move, whereas with Glaco, you offensively tried to throw that flying knee. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the way. Uh, same thing with all the guys I did it with, um, uh, with Vaughn Lazaro and um, Jake Matthews. It's, it's, I'm not, I'm catching them while they're straight up. They're not really bending over, like shooting, shooting for a takedown or, you know, going for something. So I'm catching them while there's posture still up. So I guess I'm losing power, you know, on the way up because I, I'm jumping so high to get up there. With that said, don't stop throwing that knee, man. Oh, I'm not because I'm very confident that I'm going to land it one time and the dude is going to go to sleep and I am going to get a $50,000 bonus. And I have a very high percentage of landing. I landed three out of the last four fights. Yeah, and uh, hopefully Evan Dunham's the first because, I mean, we got we got a top 15 rank to get, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. This is exactly what I wanted. And this puts me really, it really puts me where I wanted to be. Um, you know, my goal is that I have a goal. Uh, I have a goal board, you know, I write everything down. I, I'm very visual person, you know, I, you know, I, I visualize stuff. I, I'm so serious about, you know, the law of attraction. I read all of these books. I watch all this, these seminars and I take my life very serious from that aspect. And I have a goal by August, I mean, by April, April the 18th, 2018, I will be a world champion. So that's basically two years from now. And my goal is, my goal was to was to break into the top ten this year, and I didn't know if that was necessarily possible. And then get three fights in 2017, and, and, and put me in line for a world title fight. So I win this fight here, and I and I break into number fourteen, and then I get another fight this year, and I break in top ten. Then I get three fights next year, and and, and set myself up for a world title at the first of 2018. Yeah, and obviously we've talked about the law of attraction many times, and you know we'll we'll continue to talk about it. But, uh, you know, one thing I noticed, you know, after the fight, I was like, dude, I mean, you know, you just fought three rounds. You want a beer? And you're like, I don't drink. That, to me, is the sign of a world champion. So, I mean, how, how, how do you feel, man? How focused are you? Because it seems like you got your goals set out. Oh, I'm very focused. I mean, I drink literally about twice a year. I I drink probably twice a year, and um, uh, that's it. And um, it's not something, you know, uh, I mean – you know, I hate to say this, you know, but, you know, because we, we've developed a close relationship, you know, in the last few years, but my dad was an alcoholic, you know, he is an alcoholic, and I don't, you know, I, I, I've always not wanted to do that, so I don't, I don't drink, you know, I don't party, I don't do a lot of shit other people do, and, and I'm so focused, I have no other interest, and I really believe that's why I'm catching these guys, like, I go fishing, and I go hunting, because I, I've been doing that for years, so I know it's not like a new skill I had to learn and take time to learn, I've known how to do that since I was a kid. 
and I, I play basketball every now and then. But I all I do is train. I train, and that's my hobby. That's my job. That's if I have free time, if I have an option, if I have two hours to go do something, I want to go to practice. If I have an option to do anything, uh, you know, if I'm healthy and and I have no other interest. And a lot of these guys, I see them, they go out. To, I mean, it's I mean, it sucks for me somewhat because I. It's not that sometimes that I don't want to do other shit. I just realize that I can't at the moment because maybe it's, it seems a little extreme to some people, but a lot of these guys have been training so much longer than me. Like, realistically, there's no reason why I should be all these guys. Like, even Black Old Frog, I remember I was, you know, I was studying one of his films. You know, by the way, he was a super humble and very cool guy, super cool guy. You know, I, I would hang out with him anytime, good guy. But I watched one of his films where, where he, or when I was watching his opening, if I don't win, they were talking about he, he started doing judo at seven years old. Damn. Like, these guys have been training all of these years. I, I shouldn't be beating any of these guys. I didn't even start training boxing until I was 25. I mean, until I was 20 years old. And then I didn't start doing MMA until I was 22 and a half. And that was, I had my first MMA fight, and I had only grappled for four months before that, my first amateur fight. And I've, so I've been training about about eight and a half, nine years, but I've had four major surgeries in that time that's kept me out of training for two, two and a half years. Like, realistically, I shouldn't be beating these guys who've been training 10 years longer than me, but I am beating them, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have other interests. These guys go to concerts, they go to movies all the time, they do other shit, and I know that I'm, I, that's boring, I guess, that I don't do shit like that, but I, I don't, and I see all these other guys posting stuff, they're like, oh, I, I do this, I do that, I do this, and that's all cool, and it may get them more followers on social media and shit like that, but it ain't getting them better in the gym, why? Because on Friday nights, whatever, at the movies and doing shit, I'm going to fucking practice. Or I'm sitting right here, I'm watching four hours of fighting, I'm watching Inside MMA, I'm watching, uh, you know, Legacy Fights I'm watch, on Friday nights, you know, on Saturdays, I'm watching HBO Boxing, I'm, I'm doing shit that a lot of these guys don't do. They have they have other lives, and I really don't have another life. And I mean, I know that's boring, but I have a short window here to be a world champion. I have a short window for my professional career. I'm 29 years old. And, and I have big goals, and I, I'm not only caught a lot of these guys, I'm surpassing these guys who've been trained, wrestled since they were kids, boxed since they were kids, and, I, and I'm catching them all and I'm beating them all. And, and to me, I think that just, just attributes, uh, shows how much, uh, foc how focused I really am. Yeah, and it, it, it's not boring at all, man, because, I mean, you know, June 4th, when you do crack that top 15 ranking, and then on the date you set out to become world champion, when you're holding that gold belt, uh, I don't think that's going to be boring at all, dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's boring. I mean, but, I mean, I don't really give a shit. Well, you know, a lot of people, it's weird because, like, they're always, like, I've always had, you know, because I, I bounce in clubs and, and been around a bunch of drunk people all the time. They're like, oh, how come you never drink? You never want to go have any fun. I, and I said, well, maybe that ain't, you know, I've told people before, I said, maybe that's not my idea of fun. You know, I like doing shit. You know, sometimes me and my girl go to the movies, but it's been a while, hasn't it, honey? When's the last time we went to a movie? <laughs> <laughs> You said she don't even remember. Oh man! You know? and, but she's learned to understand that because she, you know, she was. You don't want to take me anywhere, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> but she knows how focused I am, and she understands, and she knows what she signed up for when she got with me. You know, but but she, you know, my girl. That's why we we we're we're so good together because. She's so focused. She reads all the same law of attraction books. She studies this stuff. She goes to the seminars. She does all the same stuff that I do. So, so we're that's why we we do so good together because you know I finally found someone that that, that can can really basically stuff with my boring lifestyle. Yeah, it's amazing, dude. Because I mean, obviously, like I mentioned, you know, I was on the floor for your fight, and you know, we could hear uh, Ada cheering you on, man. So it's really good that you guys got that thing going on. And you mentioned how you know you started training a lot later than these guys. But if you want to go back to the law of attraction, you know how they talk about those ten thousand hours, James. 
For sure, you know, and I, one of the books I've read, actually, you know, I read tons of books, is uh, The Talent Code. Have you ever read that book, The Talent Code? I've read Talent is Not Enough, but I've never read The Talent Code. It, okay, The Talent Code is basically, there's a guy who, um, his name was Dan, Daniel, his name's Daniel, too, I believe. Um, uh, he goes and he does, like, a, uh, all these interviews and survey over the course of several years of different places where they, um, they, he calls them talent hotbeds. Like, there's a, there's a, uh, a tennis court in Russia that's produced like eight world champion tennis players, all, uh, female tennis players, all from the same little little bitty one one half size courts. And then there's, he goes to a place in like uh, the, the Caribbean islands where there's there's a, a a little league baseball team that's made the little league world series like six out of the last eight years with with very minimal minimal you know resources. And then he goes to a, a music school in Dallas that's produced. You know, guys like um, like Demi Lovato, um, Jessica Ashley Simpson, all these people come from the same teacher. And he goes to a, another place in um, New York where it's like they have all these famous uh, musical, uh, uh, like, violin players, piano players, stuff like that. They all attend the same school, and they produce, like, crazy amounts of talent. And he calls them talent hotbeds. And, and it, go, it goes into details of deep practice and the, the opening thing in the book is actually the girl who did six minutes of practice. Uh, she did, the, the, the introduction is the girl who did one month of practice in six minutes. And it talks about how, how people, special people break down the practices in, in parts and they, they, they're able to progress their, 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 their skill set faster than other people. And it talks about master coaching, how they align themselves with master coaches. And it talks about, you know, um, Deep practice, how if you practice, you practice too much, then after a certain time period, it's kind of pointless because you're not in the, in the zone, per se, that you would be. It just goes real, it's real deep and everything. And I really believe, like, you know, I, I, like I said, I study, you know, tons of these books and, you know, the great, I want to bring stuff up as Richard Earl Nightingale says, you know, if you, if you dedicate yourself to your field, you can gain more ground in two years than most people can in ten. And I really believe that, that that's how, that's how I've gotten so good and the people I chose to align myself with and the system that I, that I've, joined with you know with my coaches and the system i've created for myself absolutely and what's your opinion on talent is it a real thing or is it all about the hard work um talent, talent exists but um uh you know something um uh earl Nightingale also says he says he talks to he, he has, a, he has a, a little clip on youtube it's about 10 minutes long it's called acres of diamonds and he talks about uh, a guy who's a guy who there was a big diamond rush in, I believe it was like Africa or something, and there was diamonds everywhere. Everyone, all, all these, they were finding diamonds all over the continent, and this guy was so excited. He was a farmer, and he had, you know, several acres of land, and he was so excited, he, he wanted to go find his gold mine of diamonds, and he goes, and he sells his land, and he travels the whole continent in the world looking for these diamonds, and he never finds them. He ends up dying broke. And then the guy that he sold the land to starts surveying the land and finds the biggest, you know, the biggest diamond uh, mine in history on the land that he sold. And the moral of the story is if he would have taken time to look for his own, look at his own backyard for his own acres of diamonds, then instead of worrying about other people's, you know? So, I mean, yes, I, some people are naturally stronger, some people are naturally faster, some people are taller, some people are, you know, uh, whatever, They're, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, talent is, is, is there, but a lot of people, 
Um, uh, there's a lot of people that are talented. There's tons of people that are skilled enough to be in the UFC, but they're not mentally strong enough. There's a, I mean, if you think about it, there's probably more people in prison right now that are just as good athletes that could be in the NFL, but they're not there mentally, you know? So it's, I mean, talent can be, you know, you can be born with talent, but, the, but a talented person that's naturally athletic or whatever you want to say, if they don't, if they don't, they don't get the reps and they don't do the the, the training they need to. They're not, they're not going to be anything. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember uh, when Melvin Gillard was in his prime? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was like he was one of the most explosive guys you've ever seen in your life, and basically he was born that way. But then there's certain things like if he got into a bad situation he'd look for a way out. So, I mean, where do, where do you think it correlates? Uh, you know, where's the difference between being athletically gifted and being mentally strong? Um, I think you have to have both. I mean, you know, you have to have both. And I think being super athletic and being mentally weak it, 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 it will screw you every time. Or vice versa, you could be, or you could be someone who's crazy mentally strong and have no physical attributes and screwed too. So you have to have a mixture of both uh, in you know, one one is really no more equal, no more no more important than the other. If you can, if you have a balance, but you do you can't have a guy who's super talented and can beat you know a lot of people sprinkling on talent. You can have someone who's mentally strong and can make it through because they're mentally strong. But world champions all have both. You know, um, um, McGregor has both. Mighty Mouse, prime example. Mighty Mouse has both. He's athletic. He's gifted. But people think he's. It's not. He's not any more athletic than a lot of the guys in the division. He's not any more athletic than John Dodson was. But he's way more mentally strong than John Dodson was when they fought. You know, he's um, Dominic Cruz, athletic but mentally strong as they come. You know, these people. Um, some of the, some of the, now some of these guys are so athletic that they that, that, that a lot of them they don't get pushed to the to the breaking point until you know like. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Brock Lesnar was one of those guys, and then when he did get pushed, he, he broke. But he was so athletic that he won a world title on his physical attributes plus the fact that he, you know, his wrestling background. But he was scared the whole time that you have a man that, that became a world champion that was scared to death to get hit. But he, but he pulled it off because he never got tested enough until, until that, you know, until he finally started facing, you know, guys, you know, who, who, who were coming in that had both. Yeah, and I wanted to finish talking about the Glaco fight, but I mean, you just brought up a really interesting point that brings me into the Dunham fight because he's not the most athletically gifted, but the way he's been able to win these fights is because, I mean, the dude is so fucking tough. I mean, he's slow, he's stiff, but uh, he finds a way. So what do you think about Evan, man? Um, Just like you said, I mean, he's, you know, I think he's a little bit quicker than I thought. You know, I always thought, you know, I watched so many, he has spurts where he looks quick and then he has spurts where he looks very slow. So I think certain moves he's probably did over and over that he's developed a little bit of speed more, and then other moves he hasn't. Um, I think, like you said, you know, he's one of those guys like a, he's like, you know, obviously I think he's more athletic than, Diego, you know, more gifted physically than Diego, someone like Diego Sanchez. But, you know, Diego Sanchez has fought for a world title before, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, he doesn't have very many physical attributes. Um, uh, but, you know, mental, mental strength can get you there. I think that... Um, the problem a lot of these guys run into when they fight me is that I'm more mentally strong than all of them, or just as strong as mentally strong as any of them. So he's not gonna can't. That's not gonna. That's not gonna phase me. You know, his will is not gonna break mine. So it's gonna come down to the skill set, and I'm bigger, I'm stronger. You know, I'm taller, and I, I train in my mind. I train harder than all these guys. So um, 
I think he's a tough opponent. He's obviously a tough opponent. You know, he's faced the top level of competition that there is in the UFC. He did, you know, he's lost some, he's won some, but he's did very good with everyone, you know, for the most part, you know, and he, um, uh, he has tons of experience. He's been around for a long time, but um, I just think that it's my time and he's on the downslide and I'm coming up. You know, he's 34 years old and I'm 29 and I haven't, I haven't been, I've been in a few wars, but I, I've been in enough wars where people know that I'm tough and can handle it. But I haven't had all the wars he's had. You know, he has tons of, you know, damage over his eyes where he splits open easy and scar tissue and stuff like that. You know, he's definitely not easy to finish, but, you know, I definitely think I'm going to win this fight. Yeah, I think so too. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts when his head gets popped back a couple times, you know, with the, the clean one-two of James Vick. You think he's going to, I mean, it is an MMA fight, and in his last fight he outstruck Joe Lozon for three straight rounds. I know a bunch of people are tweeting you, oh, he's going to dive on the legs right away. But, I mean, we got to respect Dunham a little bit. But at the end of the day, do you think his ultimate goal is to take you down? Um, I think he's going to have no choice because here's the thing. Um, he, he, first of all, he's not going to take me down. If he does, he, I'm going to get up quick as hell. I'll, I'll guarantee you that. Um, uh, you know, that last fight against Franca, it was that was my fault, honestly, that I sat there and um, stayed down that long, to be honest with you, because the moment I tried to get up, I got up. It was my fault because I, I wasn't taking any damage whatsoever down there. He literally landed like five times, shots the whole time he was on the ground. So I didn't feel in any danger. And, you know, I told my coach a few weeks ago, oh, I think I can triangle this guy from the bottom. So I'm sitting here playing risk control and trying to set up shit and be, do cute little butterfly sweeps and shit. When, um, because I wasn't, I didn't feel threatened on the ground. I wasn't taking any damage. So then I realized, hey, I've been on the ground for two or three minutes. It's time to get the hell up. And then as soon as I go to get up, I got up. And then he got me down again. And every time I went to get up, he used a wizard and, and just stand up off the cage, I got up. And I think that it's going to be, you know, even easier with, with Dunham to get up. Um, I mean, he's a black belt, but, you know, whoopty, man, the guy just fought, um, you know, fought a, a, a good black belt from Brazil and the ultimate fighter and submitted him, you know, with a, with a red-headed choke. So, I mean, I, I roll against top-level black belts. You know, um, my training partners, DJ Jackson, you know, Tim Spriggs, Mohammed, they're all jiu-jitsu world champions. You know, I roll with them, you know, on a daily basis when I'm in camp. So I'm not really worried about his jiu-jitsu or his wrestling. Um, I think he's going to have no choice but to try to – he's probably going to try to put me on the cage and dirty box me and, and, you know, take me down and hold me. And then when I try to fight back up, she keeps trying to put the pressure on me because um, – He's not going to be able to, here's the thing. He, I will say one thing that I've been impressed with watching a couple of fights. He does throw the volume, you know, and he beats a lot of guys because he throws a lot of volume. Once again, he's going to have a problem because he's not going to be able to volume me. So I think he, should he stay up and standing on the outside, he's going to get picked apart and he's going to lose a, a decision. Yeah. So he's going he's gonna to lose a unanimous decision, so he's going to have to try to make some takedowns and get me down and, and you know, and, and win, win rounds that way. So I definitely think the takedown attempts are going to come, but I think he's going to have a big problem with that. And I think that um, he's going to, you know, he's a southpaw. You know, it's always, you know, sometimes a little more difficult to fight southpaws, but, you know, I'm a good game plan and I'm in shape and I'm, I'm ready to go. So he's in trouble. And back to Glaco real quick, you know, you could tell that he drilled that guillotine defense all day, man. Like he... He knew that was coming, but with Evan, it might be a different psychology because for him, he might be like, hey, James ain't catching me with that. You know what I mean? Whereas Glaco uh, purposely drilled that defense over and over. But obviously, you can't underestimate a guy like Evan, but what do you think about what I just said? Well, he has a month to get ready for my guillotine, but here's the thing. I don't care. I mean, if they think that's the only move in my arsenal, they're fucking stupid. Like, if they think that's the, that's the only only submission I have, that's not even my best my, my best submission at all. I, I have a couple other moves I catch in, in practice 
way more way more than than um uh than, than I actually catch with people on my guillotine. So that's not even my best move. So I'm not really worried about that. Um I I'm comfortable anywhere on the ground, top or bottom. Um I, I feel I'm so confident that there, there's hardly anybody in the video that's gonna be able to hold me down when when I want to get the hell up. And um the only way they're gonna be, you know, the only way these guys, I feel like they're gonna beat me is they just catch me in some, some freak submission, which isn't gonna happen, or they, they, they catch me and, and, and are able to knock me out, which, you know, it definitely isn't gonna happen, because they're not gonna outpoint me standing up, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw 100 punches around, I am gonna throw a volume, I'm gonna let my hands go, and I feel like, you know, if the majority of these guys, if they try to stay on me, they're gonna, they're, they're, they're always gonna go for takers because they're not gonna win a point battle against me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we saw flashes of Holloway, we saw flashes of Diaz, but more importantly, we saw James Vick in there. And, you know, if you look at the numbers, obviously you outstruck him like more than uh, five times to one, you know, but he did land a couple hard shots. And I want to know firsthand from you, I know you're your own, you know, worst critic and obviously Master Lloyd probably had a lot to say too. What was that first shot he landed in the first 10 seconds of the fight like? And what was that spinning back fist like? Um, honestly, not even trying to be, you know, funny, but not, neither one of them hurt at all. Like, he, I'll be honest, he didn't really have any punching power at all. Like, um, uh, a lot of people, you know, mistake this. They think that, like, tall guys are getting hit hard because, first of all, I, I have a tendency to fight with my chin in the air more than I should, for sure. I don't put my chin as good, you know, because you get by with so much leaning your head back when you're tall. It's a horrible habit, but I, I've yet to see a tall guy who doesn't do it, you know? Now, some of us are worse than others, but when you, when you have a long neck like mine, you're tall, you're skinny, and you get hit with your head straight up there, it, it looks bad. But it, like, none of the, I wasn't stunned whatsoever at any of those shots. The spinning back there barely grazed me. And the first shot, I didn't even really, I just got caught and he immediately went in for the body lock. So, the, you know, the, he got, really, honestly, he didn't even feel any stronger than me. He was just so strong at that one position. You clearly, like, he'll get in there and uh, Glenco would get that body lock and he wouldn't let it go. He would, he'll, he'll hold on that, that, that he'll clap, clasp his hands together and we'll just hold on for dear life. So, I mean, I didn't feel like his punching power, his kicks didn't really hurt. I, I didn't even have sore legs. I, you know, he landed in several leg kicks. I didn't really have any sore legs after the fight or anything. Um, it was, I mean, honestly, I, I've been hit way harder than that for sure before. So you mentioned that, you know, sometimes you do keep your chin up in the air. I mean, are you trying to, to fix that or do you not really give a fuck? No, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to fix it. Honestly, it's a work in progress. You know, I feel like I'm better at it than, than I was years ago. Um, it's a work in progress. And honestly, a lot of it has to do with my technique. Honestly, it has to do with, I had, it's crazy because I had about 20 amateur boxing fights before I started doing MMA. And I got, and I won 17 of those fights. I, I um, and I actually only lost two guys, lost to one guy twice. And so I was 17 and three as an amateur boxer. And I had all those fights in like a year and a half. So I was fighting, but I was fighting under a coach who was getting a lot of fights, but he didn't correct a lot of technique. So I trained with him for over two, two and a half years strictly with him in boxing. And I was doing, I mean, he's, you know, he's a great guy. We're like, we're family. He's almost like my father, but he wasn't correcting a lot of my technique. So I was fighting with my hands down. I was fighting with my chin in there. And when you have, like you talk about, you know, like we were just talking about all the reps you did and the 10,000 reps stuff. When you have thousands of reps of doing shit the wrong way, you have to go back and unlearn that. And I'm still in the process of unlearning that because I had two and a half, almost three years of exclusively, exclusively working with him, doing bad technique and doing thousands of reps. So it, it, it cost me, it cost me later on, you know, with my technique and stuff, but 
I mean, it works good because I, I, I still don't get hit a lot, even though I do get hit a couple, you know, when I get hit, it, it looks bad, but the, because a couple times it looked bad, you know, in that fight, but I was never in any danger, and I move my feet so well that I don't get hit a lot. Yeah, and if you look at the strike count, it, it's pretty fucking astronomical, the difference between the strikes you landed and he did. I mean, I, I think he landed less than 20, and you landed over 120. So, yeah, that speaks for itself, man. What did uh, Master Lloyd say to you after that fight? Oh, he, he was super happy. He was like, man, and here I am, my coach Jamal. You know, me and, me and Jamal are really close now. My movie Thai coach up there in, in Maryland. And everything we worked on um, came in, you know, if Jamal's real, you know, he, he's a real student of the game as well. And um, he uh, he actually started watching a bunch of drills. You know, we were watching um, the Tim Bradley and Manny Pacquiao countdown show. And he started watching a bunch of Teddy Atlas and stuff. And we started drilling all these different angle movements and all this stuff. And it was everything just came together. And Master Lowe was so happy. He was like, man, you looked really good in that fight. And then um, uh, my angles and stuff. And, you know, Master Lowe was happy. He was, you know, he was like, so I wasn't listening quite as much. And we worked on a, you know, a good step off, you know, counter and throw the right hands. And he's like, man, you, you didn't do that. If you did that, you would have finished the guy. And um, besides that, he was thrilled to death and happy. You know, I, I ran, I won, I didn't take any damage whatsoever. And, you know, five and only UFC, you know, he, he's thrilled to death. Yeah, I mean, I thought you looked great. Master Lloyd thought you looked great. I'm sure Ada thought you looked great. But my real question is, how do you think you look? You know, I, I think I look good. Um, uh, I wanted to finish. I, think that, um, I wish I could have, would have got to finish because I, uh, I, uh, I, you know, I think it would have been better. First of all, if I would have got a finish, I think it would have been. I was thinking it was going to be hard to get a bonus on this card, but there honestly was a lot of decisions on this card, and I, I felt like I could have. You know, if I would have got the finish, I would have got a bonus just because there wasn't a lot of a lot, a lot of finishes on the card. And um, uh, you know, those things. I, I'm, I'm disappointed that, that he held me down as long as he did, just because I knew. Now I know. You know, I realized when I was in there after that I could have got up anytime I wanted to. I was just trying to play too much jujitsu because I wasn't. You know, I, wasn't, I was in the. I, I was throwing butterfly hooks in and trying to sweep them, and I wasn't because I wasn't taking any shots whatsoever on the ground. And I'm just. But when you're on the ground for two minutes, you know that's you know I think that's why one of the judges actually gave me the, the first round. And I, I won the cards. I got a thirty twenty seven. Because I took no shots, you know, on the ground, and I just, but I was disappointed that I, I didn't get to, um, that, that I didn't just get up sooner and just say, you know, why would I waste that? Why, you know, so I wasted two, two or three minutes on the ground, but besides that, and then, you know, I didn't get to show my kicking arsenal. I've been taking tons of Taekwondo lessons leading up to, uh, when I, after my hip surgery, and I, uh, what happened is I pulled my hamstring right going right like a week before I got into camp. So I really didn't kick until about the last two, two and a half weeks of camp. So I didn't get to kick for about six six weeks or so, seven weeks straight. So I didn't really open up on my kick arsenal because I uh I, 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 I was a little rusty, you know, I didn't want I didn't want to not I didn't want didn't want my time to be off so bad. Hey man, I noticed that spinning back kick. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I wanted to, you know, when I needed him in his face, it was funny because I landed that knee and he motioned me to bring it on. I thought about busting out the wheel kick, the spinning hook kick on him, but, but I, I was, uh, you know, you're tired, you don't want to slip and fall, and I didn't know how much time he would be. So when he signals you to come on, I mean, I know you're a very smart fighter. Do you at all get like, oh yeah, motherfucker, I'm going to throw hard at you, or do you just stay disciplined and focused? Yeah, I was about to be like, motherfucker, and bust out the, the, the hook kick. 
But uh, I just decided not to. You know, I wanted to. I was like, man, that shouldn't have been my finish. And looking back on it, I shouldn't have did it. But it's, it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, and much respect to Glaco. You know, obviously we spoke after the fight, and he is a very nice guy. He had nothing but respect for you and nothing but good things to say. So, I mean, I wish him the best in the future. Now, I got to ask you this, man, because obviously you are the tallest man in the UFC lightweight division, and you're taking a a back-to-back fight on short notice. So, is this weight cut actually going to be easier for you? Yeah, I think it will be. First of all, I don't think it could have been any worse than it was for, for, for that fight. I actually passed out twice. Damn. It was funny. No, it was bad. Like I literally collapsed, cutting, cutting weight in the ass and salt bath. But um, uh, it's um, this fight. Um, I didn't get it. You know, I haven't got as heavy. You know, um, I'm doing good with my weight right now. And but um, you know, George Lockhart's the man. My nutrition is. It was last weight cut was bad for me for a couple reasons. Honestly, one of them was I was I was a little undisciplined in my diet. I should have you know that was kind of my fault. And um, because. Things I used to get by with, I don't get by with anymore as far as me because, you know, I'm not, I'm not 23, 24 anymore, I'm 29 years old. So, used to, you can cheat on your diet and still get by with it. But also, I had that told him, I, I'm a runner, I run a lot. I used to run a lot, of, a lot of distance when I was in high school, I ran long distance, you know, I used to run a mile in like five minutes. Damn. And um, so, I'm a distance runner, I'm a cardio machine, and I'm, I, I, I've always ran a lot in camps or year-round, really, to keep my weight down. And I pulled my hamstring, so I, I didn't get to run until, like, the last week and a half. So I so I just didn't, you know, to me, you know, that was mentally, you know, I, I couldn't keep my weight down because normally I run, you know, quite a bit. I do, you know, I do a lot of, you know, running, and it just did, I couldn't deal with the pulled hamstring. I did a lot of pool workouts, which my cardio felt phenomenal in the fights. Um, besides that, you know, I think that this weight cut for sure will be way better because now – I'm giving my hamstring a little bit of rest and, and uh, um, uh, you know, acupuncture treatments have really helped it, a massage, deep tissue massage on my hamstring and stuff and, you know, just time period, so uh, icing and stuff. So I think my hamstring will be good to go. And, uh, you know, I actually ran three miles a day after practice. Hey, well, they say champions adapt and overcome, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure um, Glyco had, you know, problems in his camp. I mean, you know, I don't think like that. That's To me, that's like a... That's a weak loser mentality for someone to be like, oh, well, I don't know if I can win this fight because I had this wrong with me. I had this. Well, guess what? You don't know what the hell he, what's wrong with him. You know, nobody goes into the fight 100%. You know, a, a winner's going to win and a loser's going to complain, you know, make an excuse. Yeah, well, there you go, man. So, Evan Dunham's up next. Obviously, we've spoken about him. We're going to get to the Vicks picks in a second. But, I mean, a- any last words on Dunham? I mean, he's tough. He's a southpaw. His striking has gotten a lot better. He's, you know, when people start breaking this down, it's going to be like when you and I talked about uh, Tony versus Khabib. It's too bad that fight never happened. But when people break this fight down, they're going to say shit like, oh, Dunham's been in there with Barboza. He's been in there with Cowboy. He's been in there with everyone. Who is James Vick fought? But what I'm going to say is James Vick will rise to the occasion. So, I mean, a- any last thoughts on Dunham? Um, exactly what you said. They can say whatever they want. You, you know, they say, you know, in my, in my mind, they're like, oh, he's been in those Cerrone, he's been in those Sonos, he's been in those so-and-so, he's a proven, you know, in my mind, he's been in a lot of wars, and he's he's getting older, he's become, he's become a damage fighter. He splits open easy on his eyes, out of a hell of a good jab. You know, I think, you know, that he's destined to get cut this fight. Um, he's uh, more, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm more athletic. I have more ways to win. Um, my one thing he does, like I said, one thing he, he depends on a lot when he fights guys is he throws a lot of volume. 
and that, that throws a lot of people off. He's not going to be able to throw any more volume than I throw. I'm a cardio machine. I, I can throw I can throw 100 punches around. Um, I'm, I'm not easy to take down. I'm definitely not easy to hold. Um, I'm not worried about his black belt jiu-jitsu. I'm not, you know, I think that, that this is my fight to win, and um, I hope I'm the underdog because, you know, I'm going to bet a game worth of money on myself and give me a little bonus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even if you're not the dog, it's time to, to bet you anyways. I mean, last time, you were at that line that I publicly say I never bet, that minus 170, because long term, it bites you in the ass. But I mean, you know, we put put a lot of money on that, and it came through in style. But dude, what were, what were your thoughts on uh, Joe Rogan's commentary? Because man, he was loving what you were doing out there on the ground and on the feet. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, I, you, when you when you when you, uh, when you uh, fight in Joe Rogan commentation, you always want to get. I really want to get a submission, man. So you can tell him, oh, James, this jiu-jitsu is so phenomenal. You know how he goes all hard on it and all, all the jiu-jitsu people and stuff. And uh, but uh, oh, I loved it. He's like James Vick is looking good tonight. You know his, his movement. You know his angles. He's not in front. And and then I remember when when, when Glyco put that hook in my back, and I just turned around and I said to my butts. You know, I, I'm not stupid. You know, I study film. Like, I study this stuff more than anyone. I, he has, Greco had six submission wins out of his 12 fights. He had 12 finishes, six TKOs, six submissions, and five out of his six submissions were really naked chokes. So he put the hook in. I'm like, I'm not going to, was I confident? Even if he got it, I would defend it. Yeah, but I didn't want him to be on my back for three minutes and just lose the whole round and not do any damage. So I just set him up because I, I felt no, no top game from him at all that was threatening. So I just sat to my butt, you know, un- got the hook out, and then I got back up that way. I wasn't going to sit there and let him get the, the, my back, and he had to fight that off and defend it for three minutes. So um, I-, I loved his commentary. I thought he made me sound good. And, I mean, you know, uh, I love when Joe Rogan commentates my fights. I think that's only the second fight he's commentated, though. And that is my UFC debut. Dude, and that specific moment you were talking about, his commentary was perfect. He was like, a lot of guys would have given up their back and quit, but you showed, you know, some – some real good experience, you know, the way you handle that. So my only question about Dunham here is, okay, so we know that his striking has improved. We know he's tough as fuck. Are you at all worried about him laying on you for 15 straight minutes? No, not at all. I guarantee he, there's no way he can. My jiu-jitsu is too good for that and my get-up. When I, thing, when, I get, when I have the cage behind my back, I can get up on anybody. There ain't nobody going to hold me. Now, like, I may get up and they may take me down again, but I guarantee you I'm going to get up. If, if I get taken down and I have the cage around my, or anywhere near me, I'm going to get up 10 out of 10 times. Even if they said, and I'm not easy to take down. First of all, I, don't, I, don't, I move my feet very well. So um, it's hard to take down a moving target. Just like Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz didn't get taken. Obviously, his wrestling is better than mine, and I have a lot of work to do, which I, I have been working on you know, uh, as much as possible. Um, another thing, this whole camp, another thing people, you know, keep it, take in mind is this whole camp, I didn't even rap live, but maybe, maybe five times the whole camp. Damn because, of, because I was having no more problems. And, you know, I, I was getting about $200 a week worth of vacuum puncture. Um, uh, so that, that, that actually helped take a lot of this inflammation out of my, my elbow, but I would say I probably literally grappled live maybe five or six times at the most the entire camp. Um, but, you know, I was in shape, and, you know, I, I, I did thousands of reps on drills and stuff like that. And, honestly, I think that's why I chose to stay down there so long, because I drilled that, those butterfly sweeps and stuff so many times that I was just so comfortable going for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about getting held. There's no way in hell this guy's going to hold me down for 15 minutes. 
Awesome. That's what I want to hear, man. And best of luck in training camp. Stay healthy. Do your thing. Let's get to these Vicks picks. You ready, man? Yes, sir. All right. So Cody Garbrandt's fighting Tomas Almeida. I've gone on record many times saying Tomas Almeida is a future world champion. He's currently minus 155. The comeback on Cody Garbrandt is plus 135. In my opinion, dude, this is one of those situations. I'm going big on Almeida. I see future champion. See, I, th- I think him and Jimmy Rivera are the guys you got to look out for at Bantamweight. What's your opinion on Thomas versus Cody? Um, uh, question: what, What's uh, what's Garbrandt's record in the UFC? He's like three. Oh. He's three and zero in the UFC. So his first fight, he goes in there. He has a tough fight with Marcus Brimage, but he knocks him out in the third round. His second fight. <laughs> He had a very, you know, he won a decision, but it was a very lackluster performance against Henry Briones, who, you know, was on the Tough Latino America. And then in his last fight, he fought Augusto Tanquino Mendez, who was a late replacement for John Lineker, and he knocked him out in the first round. Yeah, okay, I remember that. What's Almeida's record in the UFC? <laughs> Almeida, Almeida's record in the UFC is like 4-0, but his record in general, he's 21-0 with 20 finishes. And it's not like he... Uh, you know, has been fighting a bunch of bums. This is a guy who's gotten in there. He's been dropped in fights. He's cut, he's gotten back up to his feet and knocked the guys out. So he's been through adversity before. Who's he beat? Who's he beat? I know he beat Pickett. Who he, else he, he beat? He beat Pickett. He beat Burchak. He beat Eves Jabuen, and he beat uh, this wrestler named Timmy Gorman. See, this is a cool fight, though, man. Because <clears throat> here's the thing: I'm not, I'm not like not trying to be, you know, mean towards anybody, but um. Uh, he was like 17 and 0 before he got in the UFC, and to be 17 and 0, just like the guy I fought, uh, you know, Sanka, he I looked at his record, you know, extensively on Sheer Dog, and he had fought a lot of tomato cans. I mean, he really had, you know. And I think in Brazil, a lot of these MMA guys, I think they pad their records like almost like professional boxers do here in America, um, because like. To, to the fight before Blanco uh, Franca had gotten the UFC, he fought a debuter. He was like 12 and two, 2 or 12 and 3 and fought a debuter. And the fight before that, he fought a guy that was 4 and 11. And then he fought a guy that was 3 and 2. He fought a guy that was, that was 4 and 6, a guy that was 2 and 3. Like he fought, you know, uh, these are some of the guys on his record. And I wouldn't be surprised if you look at Almeida's record and it's the same thing. Because now I would say one thing I've been very impressed with Almeida when I watched him fight. I have been, you know, he's, he, he, he throws tons of volume. He's a finisher. He um, uh, is tough as they come, you know. But to be 21-0, I'm sure he's fought in several cans. I mean, let's be realistic. Because if that, why, if that was the case, if he hadn't, why, why, would, it, why would it take him the UFC so long to sign the guy? Yeah. But um, uh, this is a close fight, man. Um, uh, it's a tough one. Um, uh, you know what? Garbrandt is my boy. So I'm gonna go with Garbrandt because we're, we're we're pretty close. I mean, we're, you know we're we're decently close and pretty close. So I'm, I'm gonna go with him. All right, yeah, I feel you. you Got to go with your boy. Uh, what's your odds? Plus one thirty-five. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, proceed, oh. proceed with caution. But next fight, Anderson Silva is taking on Uriah Hall, and it's interesting because you know Anderson, he's forty-one years old. He's the greatest of all time. And the guy he's fighting, Uriah Hall, I, mean, I know for a fact Uriah Hall probably had an Anderson Silva poster in his bedroom growing up. You know what I mean? He emulated his style after Anderson. But, you know, we all know that there's been times when Uriah has been a bit gun shy. So my question here is, you know, is he going to idolize Anderson too much in there? Or is he going to go out there and be like, hey, this guy's 41 years old. He's not the same that he used to be. I'm going to throw some heat on him. 
you know, a lot of predictions this is going to be the most boring fight ever. They're both counter fighters, and they, they don't like taking the lead. And um, I think that both of them are just going to stay away from each other. It's going to be like a glorified sparring session, to be honest with you. Um, but, man, I really hope Anderson wins. That's my hero. And, I mean, obviously, I think Anderson Silva's, you know, 50 times more mentally strong than Uriah Hall is. <laughs> and I, I do. I mean, I, Uriah Hall has had moments where he just had mental breakdowns. But... This is yeah, this is so tough because Anderson's not you know he, he he's, he's older he's his reflexes aren't the same he's just not the same guy but you know what I, I can't make a sense to sell this song I'm picking Anderson. And on the card you're fighting on in your weight class, Dustin Poirier he's minus two ten. The comeback on Bobby Green is plus one seventy five. That's one hell of a fight and I'll tell you what man. I've always been impressed with Dustin Poirier, and especially now at 155, man, looks like his power is really translating. He's going out there getting big victories, and Bobby Green, I got a lot of respect for him too. He's super fast with his boxing. He has been out a while, and in his last fight versus Barbosa, I do think he played around too much, but with that being said, that's neither here nor there. I do think he's coming to win this fight, but I got to lean with Dustin Poirier. Who you got? You know, if Bobby Green hadn't been out for so long, say they both had fought six months ago, I'd, I'd pick Bobby Green all day. I think he's a better – there's no way four years going to get Bobby Green on the ground, so it's going to be a stand-up battle. I think Bobby Green, uh, uh, in shape, not rusty Bobby Green, w w without without points, does support all day long. Um, now, though, with, with the layoff, as long as – when's the last time four years fought? Uh, Pore fought the first event of this year against Joe Duffy. I think it was like January 3rd or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I don't really, you know what? I think I'm still going to pick Bobby Green because I think Bobby Green's way bigger um, or decently bigger. Uh, he has a, you know, a strong wrestling background, and Bobby Green's pretty mentally tough as well. Um, um, I said, four, you know, four years, he's good. You know, he's... Um, I don't think that necessarily it, it was it was a weight cut issue for him. I think he just fought a better fighter and Conor McGregor that beat him. I think. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, do you think do you think that Conor McGregor would would, would you think he would he would actually beat McGregor because I don't. I think McGregor is just just a better fighter. I mean, I understand he was having struggles making weight. I mean, we all have struggles making weight. Um, I think like I believe a lot of these guys use that as an excuse. When they lose, they all oh, I just need to move up in weight, and I would do better. But when they fight, same thing with you know my boy Whitaker. You know Whitaker. You know me and him are super cool. We fought on a couple cards together. We went pretty close. But I just think that I mean weight cut. Obviously, he's winning, moving up, winning, and, and doing really good. I think he's going to be a, a contender, obviously. But I think the same thing would have happened to him at 170. It's just he. I mean, do you think if Wonder Boy fought him at 185, he still he would be Wonder Boy now? I think Wonder Boy is just a better striker. You know. I think these guys, they're, they're losing, and they're saying that if they move up, that it's, it's because of their weight cuts and this and that. But if they fought those same guys, they would lose to them in another weight class. It's just those guys are, are better than them in, in, in striking or that position, or they got caught or whatever the case may be. But I think that, you know, um, I think I'm, I'm going to go green. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, James, you know, with most cases, I'd actually – you know, I agree with you, but in Dustin and Robert's case specifically, there are two exceptions in my book because, look, since they've moved up weight classes, it's not just the results they're getting in terms of the victories, but they've been taking shots a lot better. You know, uh, uh, Robert and Dustin both used to get wobbled all the time at their previous weight classes, but now they're taking the shots, you know, 
perfectly fine. I mean, Robert said he uh, you know, didn't have enough water in his brain when he was cutting. I don't know. I mean, you're the fighter, man. You cut a ton of fucking weight, and you don't get wobbled when you get hit. But for some guys, it's different, man. I mean, with Dustin, he said that his whole camp revolved around cutting weight, and he, he didn't have fun anymore. Now at 55, he can really focus on... Uh, you know, on new techniques and stuff like that. I mean, do you think that's bullshit? What do you think, man? I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect these guys, but I do. I mean, I mean, half of my camp is cutting weight as well. I mean, it's it's, it's just the, the nature of the beast. But but my question is this: Do you really think that Poirier could beat McGregor if they fought at 155? Do you really think that Robert Whittaker could beat Wonder Boy if he fought him at 185? I don't. I don't. I mean, I think Wonder Boy or or, or, or Poirier could beat 90 percent of the division at 145. I think he could. I think uh, uh, Whittaker could beat. The majority of the people went seventy, but it was just a massive thing when they lost. I don't think that that there's any way that either one of those guys win those fights at heavyweight. There's still those fights; they're going to lose those fights. Yeah, I mean those specific fights. I completely agree with you. But let me bring up mm-hmm. Dustin Poirier versus. Uh, you know, I know this guy's no longer in the UFC, but Akira Korosani. So he fights Akira, and you know he uh, Augusta win, and he does the chicken dance, as Connor says. But I, I truly believe at fifty five, he would have put him away. Right away, I understand Connor. I mean, dude, I bet a lot on Connor that fight. I understand Connor would beat him regardless of the weight class, but it does seem like he's taking shots better. So I don't know, man. Another thing, think about this, bro. Another thing is the style that, that, that they're fighting McGregor, and obviously McGregor is more of a boxer, but he's a karate guy as well. And Wonder Boy is a karate guy. One, they're hitting, they're, they hit those guys also with more accurate shot. Like look what McGregor did to all the Aldo. Like, that was about as accurate as it, as it gets. They're hitting these guys with flush shots right on the chin. Or it actually hit Poirier right behind the ear. Those are, those are fighting these shots, like solid shots. You know, um, Wonder Boy hit Whitaker with, you know, straight blitzes, you know, straight solid shots. They're very accurate with their punches, whereas a lot of these guys just throw whooping wild shit and land it, you know? So um, uh, I just think in those, in those cases, I think it was more of a matchup thing. I mean, maybe they can take bigger punches going up, but you didn't see them really getting beat up by anyone else in the division. You know, Poirier didn't lose. Uh, I mean, who, did he lose a bunch of fights to anybody else in the division? I don't know. I mean, back in the day, but, you know, he not not since he fought McGregor. But, no, what I'm saying is when he was at 45, did he lose to anybody else or a lot of other fights at 45? I didn't think he did. Yeah, he, he dropped one to Cub Swanson on short notice, but, I mean, he didn't really the, – the McGregor loss was his only real, real loss. And the, the Korean zombie, but, I mean, he was, like, 21 having a main event. Well, but it's more like he was just getting smashed at the weight class and had to move up. He was, I think he was probably a better fighter. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with that. And speaking of fighting a better fighter, Max Holloway is taking on Ricardo Lamas. And I think Ricardo Lamas is fighting a better fighter in Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway is going to put him away. I think that Max is a future title challenger, maybe even a champion. And the line's not out yet, but I got Max all day in that one. Who you got, man? Yeah, I got Holloway, too. I think um, he's on the uprise. I think me and Holloway are kind of a lot alike. I'm um, uh, I mean, all were actually pretty cool, too. You know, we fought some cars together. I've seen, I've seen him several times, you know, hung out with him. Um, super cool dude. Um, I think that Holloway, um, you know, he, he's super he – he has the same thing going for me that I mean that I have going for me, and it's the mental strength. I think he's, he's stronger than a lot of these guys in the mind. And he, he sees the fact that, that all these guys have all this wrestling background, they have all this shit, and they can't get them down. They can't do anything. They win them, and he just finds a way to win. He's not going to break. He's a you know he's a winner. He's a tall guy for the division. 
um, has multiple tools in his arsenal. And I think that Ramos is tough, and it might be a decision. I don't know if Max will finish him, but I think Max is going to win the fight. And really, the only chance I think Ramos is going to have is I think if he tries to lay on him, which is you know no one's been able to do yet. And um, you know, Ramos is getting older, and you know he's got a few losses. He's probably doubting himself more, and. Um, Holloway's going to uprise with, with all the confidence in the world, and that makes everything. I, I think Holloway's going to win for sure. I think he finishes, and I'll tell you why. Well, firstly, Ricardo Lamas has been KO'd stiff three times. We all know the deal with the chin. But, you know, Max's last fight against Jeremy, I mean, we all know Jeremy's got that one-punch knockout power, and you better play it safe against a guy like that. So I really respected that performance. I know he got a lot of criticism because, you know, it was a little safer. But, I mean, that's what you got to do against Jeremy Stevens. Against Ricardo Lamas, like you mentioned, he's got to worry about the wrestling. And I do think his takedown defense and his footwork is on point. I think he's going to go out there and knock out Ricardo Lamas. Yeah, that would be, be cool. I mean, I think he's got a chance on... Uh, um... I think Lana sometimes now he plays it uh, safe enough that maybe he could stay away and, and just lose a decision. I mean, um, but I definitely think Holloway's going to win. He, I think he has too many tools and he has, his confidence is too high and he's too strong mentally. Two more predictions before we get out of here. So you mentioned Wonderboy, so we got to talk. Wonderboy versus Rory. Personally, I got Wonderboy, man. I think he's going to be the guy to dethrone Robbie Lawler. Obviously, you got to respect a guy like Rory. I mean, his last fight against Robbie was absolutely incredible. But can we both agree that one doesn't simply come back the same after a five-round war like that? You know, I think that I think honestly, though, in the division, I will say this: I think Ruby McDonald is the worst matchup for him. I will say that. I'm, that's why I was surprised that UFC was having Roy McDonald fight Wonderboy. Because I think right now, if Wonderboy, I all love Robbie Lawler. Who, who doesn't love, love Robbie Lawler? But if Wonderboy fought Robbie Lawler right now, he would smoke him. Wonderboy would smoke Robbie Lawler. I think he would win every single round or he would finish him. But I think Roy McDonald is, is, it, it has a better, has a way better chance of beating Wonderboy than, than Robbie Lawler does. I think it's just a worse matchup for him. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Wonderboy. I think that, you know, his confidence is high. He's not easy to take down anymore. Um, but I do think one – is that a five-round fight? Yeah, it's a five-round main event. Okay, I do think that – I do think that it's going to be – it's going to be closer fight than a lot of people think. And I think that we're running a lot of – I mean, uh, Norm McDonald will get a few takedowns and will be able to control him on the ground a little bit. Um Unless he just gets caught right off the bat, Roy McDonald has a pretty good chin. You know, he he doesn't really you know get you know get beat up like that too much. And decent defense. You know, he's you know he, sometimes he gets caught slugging too much. And that karate style is you know is hard to maintain over a five round period. You know, but he has been doing it since he was a little kid, so he can do it better than anyone anyone for sure. So I'm um, I'm I'm still gonna pick pick um, Wonderboy to win the decision. Yeah, I got Wonderboy, too, and a lot of people are going to bring up the Matt Brown fight, and I was actually in attendance at that fight. It was an ATL. A lot of people are like, oh, Matt Brown was able to hold him down, and my comment to that is, first of all, that was back in 2011 or 2012, and I'm like, look, once his defensive wrestling catches up with his striking, look out, and what did the guy do? He brought in Chris Weidman to help him with his defensive wrestling. So then you saw his fight against Johnny, and we all know Johnny's wrestling credentials. We know his UFC credentials. 
Johnny tried to take him down, and Wonder Boy popped right back up. So obviously, Rory has a different style of takedown. You know, he has that TriStar style. And another interesting thing about this fight is they did bring in Wonder Boy to TriStar to teach them some striking techniques. So they're very familiar with each other's styles. But at the end of the day, I think we're looking at a future champion with Wonder Boy. And Rory's been talking, uh, you know, free agency. He's been talking about testing the market. That's not the kind of shit I want to hear from a future champion. You know, I don't think uh, James Vick is going to be like, oh, I'm going to, you know, go test the waters. Your your goal is I want to be the fucking UFC world champion. So as soon as that stops being your goal, I got to I gotta bet, bet against the guy, man. And I don't think that Rory wants it like Wonderboy wants it. Yeah, um, uh, I, I I don't think so either. And um, I just think that um, like I said, people are saying four years is a lifetime. They they compare the Matt Brown fight. Four years is a lifetime in the sport. People people literally are not even the same. Like I know me now versus four years ago. I would finish myself four years ago. <laughs> the guy was I would finish him in two minutes. It's, it's just not the same. Um, Progression is something if you train year round, and you know a lot of these guys. I think a lot of these guys used to only train during camps. So I think everyone now is training year round because they're starting to realize if you don't, you're getting left behind. And um, I, I agree with you. I think it's Wonder Boy's time. I think he, he he's going to win. He's going to become a world champion. So the main event of UFC 199, obviously you're on the car, but Luke Rockhold's defending his title against the man he took it from, Chris Weidman. Weidman's the underdog. He's around plus 165. Rockhold, I think he's minus 200. Let me check real quick. And uh, no, he's, he's minus 210, actually. Holy shit. And Weidman's plus 175. In my opinion, look, Luke might be the better fighter. Luke might win. But when you see plus 175 next to Chris Weidman's name, and I know he's taking this fight extremely seriously, I'm going to take that shot, man. But I understand how dangerous Luke is. No, I'm not. You know what, though? Uh, I, I won money on, on, on Rocco the first time they fought. Rocco's a horrible matchup for him. I think, I, to be honest with you, I know it's not like bad, but I think Rocco's going to smoke him worse this time than he did last time. I think Rocco's going to destroy him this fight. I think he's going to win. I think Rocco realizes if he puts Wyman on his back, he's going to finish him. His, his grappling is way better than his. His wrestling's not necessarily way better, but it's, it's good enough that... I don't think Rocco feels threatened on the ground, and he's been training with such high-level wrestlers for so long now. And I think that, you know, he's way faster. He's more athletic. He's a southpaw. I think that I think Whiteman finishes him again within the, within three rounds, possibly, or he just dominates him in a, a, a straight-out decision. But I think it's, um, uh, I mean, not Whiteman, Rocco, I think Rocco's going to clearly win this fight. Yeah, Rocco's saying he's going to finish him in the second round this time, so... Well, it's possible. I agree it's possible for sure. We'll have to see what happens, man. Last one. So this weekend, Albert Tumenov is fighting Gunnar Nelson. And to me, that's you know, that's the people's main event. That's the fight to watch. I got Albert Tumenov, man. I like like I said, man, I see a future UFC world title challenger in Albert Tumenov. And with Gunny, not only has he costed me a lot of money in the past, but he's got kind of a questionable fight IQ. He fights with too much pride. He goes in there with Damian Maya, and prior to the fight, I was like, all right, Gunny's a great grappler, so he's going to be able to stuff the takedowns, keep the fight standing, use that point karate style, and knock out Damian Maya. And what does he do? He goes in there and initiates the clinch with Damian Maya. He tried to beat him at his own game. That, to me, is a sign of bad fight IQ. So, I mean, what, is he going to go in there and try to test his stand-up against Albert Tumenov now? So, obviously, we got to respect Gunny's ground game. If uh, Albert gets taken down, 
who knows what the fuck's going to happen. But based on his past fights, he's able to reverse the position or get back up to his feet. And I also think Gunny could drop to 55. So I want to know your perspective on Tumenov versus Nelson. How many, uh, here's a question, how many people have been able to take Tumenov down and hold him? None, really. Um, I, don't, I, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I hear Gunny Nelson's wrestling is phenomenal. From what I've seen, it, it is. But, I mean, he, he is a handle Gracie Black Belt. But um, I think that Tumenov is... is twice as mentally strong as him. I mean, Gunnar Nelson is one of those guys that has all the physical attributes, has been trained for years, you know, high-level karate, high-level jiu-jitsu, great wrestling. Skill level-wise, he should be a world champion, but there's something missing, you know? So um, uh, I'm taking some men off, man. Those Russians are tough as they come, and their skill sets are phenomenal. They clearly have, you know, a good system of the way they train over there, you know, because their striking is all phenomenal. Their grappling is all phenomenal. And, you know, they're some of the best fighters in the world for sure. And I think Tomenov's going to beat them uh, because if they get into a war of attrition, Tomenov's going to break them, I think. And um, maybe maybe Gunny Nelson can stay away enough and, and pot shot him on the outside. But Tomenov, I think it, should he start losing, that way he's going to take chances and he'll, he'll come forward swinging and land something. So I predict him to win. Yeah, and I mean, as far as Gunny's concerned, if you say it's a battle of wills, I mean, dude, Gunny only has one round cardio, and that's not a good thing when you're going up against a guy like Tumenov, who's been in three round wars and, you know, been just as good in that third round, man. So, you know, I think it's a, a cardio issue and a weight class issue for Gunny, and I think Tumenov's going to go out there to either piece him up to a decision or knock him out. But speaking of Russians, man, mad props to you cashing that plus 250 on Andre Koroshkov to whoop Benson. You were telling me all week, just like you told me last time that Koroshkov was going to beat Douglas Lima. Man, you keep calling this dude's fights right as the underdog. Yeah, I got the odds at 230, unfortunately. My girlfriend just asked me, did you win 250? Let me try to take my money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went 230 on him, and I was so pissed because I, right before it happened, I, was, I bet 100 I was going to bet $300, and I was like, and I didn't place the bet, and I was like, fuck. Well, what happened is I went, I, I bet the 100, and I was like, a, a, a couple days later, I was like, you know what, I should bet more. And I went back, and then the odds were down to like fucking plus 170. I was like, shit, I should have took the fucking money. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, to be honest with you, I watched the fight when I got home, man. He smoked Ben Henderson so bad, I, I felt bad for him, man. <laughs> and I think that, I honestly, I think that Russian right now could beat 95% of the UFC at 170. I think that he could beat, I think, like, this is a bold statement. I'm sure people listening to this are going to be like, you're retarded. I think, I think uh, uh, he could probably, he could beat Robbie Lawler potentially right now because he doesn't take the damage a lot of these other guys take. Robbie Lawler's been in so many wars. I think, you know, certain fighters, I think Wonder Boy would give, you know, anybody a problem. I think that, you know, should he fight someone, maybe Johnny Hendricks, if Johnny Hendricks could wrestle him, you know, we would beat him. But, I mean, realistically, name the top 10 UFC welterweights, and I guarantee you he could, he could beat 90% of them, 95% of them right now because his grappling is catching up now. You know, he's lost one fight ever to, uh, you know, Olympian wrestler Ben Astrid who held him down, you know, and ground and pounded him. But what I saw in that fight, everyone else saw, oh, he got dominated. I saw a 22-year-old. It's time to, um, what's his name, Andre Kor Kor how do you say his last name? Koreshkov. Korshkov, he was 22 years old when he fought uh, Ben Ben Astrin, and he fought five rounds, and he he didn't break one bit. He just got out class on the ground, but he didn't break. He didn't, he didn't give up. He didn't look for the way out or nothing, and he came back and, and progressed, you know, majorly. And I think that I think that he could he could potentially, if he came over, could be a UFC world champion. To be honest with you, because he's that skilled, he's mentally strong. 
he he um he is is striking. He, I don't see many people out striking him in, in any in any organization. And if unless someone really, I mean, potentially maybe someone can get him on the fence and rough him up, hold him and take him down and work work on him, and then he'll get up and maybe grind him out like that. But I think that'd be hard to do, even you know, unless it's someone like a Johnny Hendricks who, who just has crazy wrestling. So I think that I mean, a lot of people think that's probably far fetched, but I think he could be ninety five percent of the UFC. Well, I'm going to say something that people might think is far-fetched, too. I truly believe if Koreshkov and Askren rematched today, Koreshkov would blow him out the water, and it wouldn't even be close. And I know people are going to think I'm an idiot for saying that, but, I mean, I don't know if you've watched Askren's last few fights. I mean, he, yeah, he's dominating total scrubs, but he's coming in completely out of shape, and he's not even taking it seriously. He's just getting he's getting a nice paycheck to fight in sold-out arenas and, you know, in, in Asia, but, dude... If he goes out there like that against Koroshkov, the Koroshkov of today, not, you know, 22-year-old inexperienced Koroshkov. I'm talking about world champion Koroshkov. I truly believe he'd get smoked. Like we talked about before, that's three, three and a half years ago. People progress. People don't understand it. When you see a guy filming, they're like, oh, he looked like shit. But, man, people progress in six months now, three months, a whole camp. You know, you might not even see the same guy. Guys, guys progress. This sport is people are. You know, if you think guys aren't in the gym training your ass off, and you you think you're going to see the same guy over and over, then then, then you're wrong. You know, unless if they're not progressing, they're getting left behind in this sport. And um, he's clear. You know, I, I agree. You know, I think I think he can he can potentially beat the national. I mean, the national is still hard for anybody to beat if he gets a hold of him because his ground game is good enough. No one's going to submit him, and he'll he can he can just lay on him and. You know, he can land shots and win more decisions, but um, that's, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, definitely Korskov could knock his ass out, too, which, you know, should he, you know, keep him on the feet long enough, and then in a five-minute title fight, you know, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to give up, and he's, he's and nothing Korskov maintains his power the whole fight, if you watch that as well. He really maintains his power the whole fight, um, hurting people, you know, still throwing wheel kicks in the fifth round and shit, so, um, uh, yeah, I agree with that statement. He, he could beat him now. He's a bad motherfucker. Well, James, man, I got to let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me again. Right here, right now on Half the Battle. Obviously, best of luck in training. Stay healthy. Go out there. Whoop Evan Dunham. And I'll tell you what, man. I got a brother in L.A. I've needed, I've needed an excuse to go visit him for a while. Maybe June 4th will be that excuse. Let's see what happens, man. Come on, dude. Bring it on, buddy. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't get to chill with you in Vegas, man. All my family was there. I mean, I had like ten family members, and I had to, hadn't seen them in two months, and I had to hang out with all of them. But um, uh, yeah, June fourth is going down. I plan on um, you know, whipping this guy's ass, and you know, getting moving up in the rankings and being ranked fourteenth uh, in the world, and then getting another fight for the end of the year and being in the top ten. You know, on my way to my goals. Um, uh, thanks for everyone for supporting me. I you know I always love coming on the show. I love talking about fighting, man. I love this shit. You know. You you know you you know as much about the odds and the the, the fights that you know more than I do you know so it's always good to some talk to someone who, who takes the time to educate themselves in our sport you know I love it and um I guess everyone uh think I said thanks for following me and keep it up and um uh go follow me on all my social medias I just recently created Instagram you know I was advised by my manager and my coach I need to do that so I made an Instagram I didn't get my followers up on it it's the same handle as my Twitter James Vic MMA. You know, my Facebook fan page also, James Vick MMA, simple to follow. So go support me, please, and um, I'll keep everyone posted. I'll start posting videos and training and stuff like that on as well. Yeah, definitely, man. You mentioned we didn't get to chill too much, but hey, we still got to talk for a little bit. 
and I got to meet Coach Lloyd and Ada, and it was really good meeting you guys and hanging out for a little bit. And man, once again, good luck. And to all the fans, subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow James at James Vic MMA. Make sure to tune in to UFC 199. He's going to be fighting off Fox Sports 1. And then there's a pay-per-view right after that. Make sure you purchase it. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.